0: Welcome to Adventist Voices Spectrum's podcast. I'm Alexander Carpenter. I have something a little different for you this week, perhaps an experiment in podcasting. This last Sabbath, I had the opportunity to participate in an event uh, sponsored by the St. Paul Minneapolis Adventist Forum, there in Minnesota that was featuring a conversation with filmmaker Martin Doblemeyer about his new documentary, Screening on PBS, this week on Abraham Joshua Heschel. Uh, The title of the film is Spiritual Audacity. And it was a panel discussion that included... Gary Blount, psychiatrist-turned-producer, Dr. Richard Rice, emeritus professor at the School of Religion at Loma Linda University, and, of course, our dear friend, Spectrum editor, Bonnie Dwyer. And so it was a Zoom meeting that we had about a hundred participants online and uh, also a sizable audience in the Minnetonka Seventh-day Adventist Church. Um, thanks to the uh, support of the pastoral staff there, Pastor Jiwon Moon and uh, Mark Segui. So uh, it was, of course, a audio and visual event originally. It included uh, four uh, film clips, and I think even without that, it will still work, um, and I thought I'd release it as a podcast because not everyone has the time to sit down for uh, an hour and watch something, but if you're moving around, I think this can uh, work and give you a real sense of Uh, Martin Doblemeyer's insight into Abraham Joshua Heschel, and of course it's really fun to hear our Spectrum friends, Gary, Rick, Bonnie, uh, also talk about the film um, and the impact of Abraham Joshua Heschel on Seventh-day Adventism. So if you're willing to try something a little different with me, um, go ahead and stay tuned, and you'll hear Gary Blount, uh, begin with an introduction, and then Pastor Jiwon Moon, begin with prayer. And then you'll hear me as I moderate the panel. Thanks for listening.
1: Yes, I do, Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's
0: on the move. with the poor and the meek and the
2: hungry and the lonely...
1: I'll never forget
0: it. All right, I'd like to welcome you to our discussion of Abraham Joshua Heschel. And thank you for joining us around the world. Uh, We've got um, Dr. Gary Blount, who's going to uh, provide a, a quick introduction of our featured guest.
3: Good afternoon. I'm Gary Blount, Minnetonka, Minnesota Forum leader. It's a pleasure to welcome you to Spectrum and Adventist Forum's first worldwide Zoom meeting. In in addition to bringing friends closer together, our purpose is to tune up our knowledge of one of the 20th century's most influential theologians. Abraham Heschel. Also, we thought you would like to get to better know the award-winning producer who is about to premiere his just-finished film about Rabbi Heschel. It's called Spiritual Audacity, ponder that. Martin Dobermeyer is not only a prominent documentarian, Martin is a wonderful friend of Adventists. I was sitting in our kitchen yesterday morning, savoring my postum and 12-grain breakfast roll, when I spotted a big column in the Wall Street Journal. This was by Rabbi Lamb. As so many of us do, he was bemoaning the declining attendance at worship services. Hold the phone. He quickly shifted into podcasts and other new media and said, Do what pastors, priests, and rabbis have always done. Go meet the flock where they graze. So there are shepherds and under shepherds. Our two new pastors here at Minnetonka have already dazzled us with their energy and vision. And I want to thank them for fully supporting this experiment an intercontinental Zoom get-together. In fact, the associate pastor, Mark Segee, is the co-producer of this event. Our senior spiritual leader, Dr. Juwan Moon, may actually be solar-powered and supercharged both. He's remarkably ubiquitous and amazingly productive. And our Association of Adventist Forum Under Shepherd of the Year is Julie Miller. She resides in gorgeous Sun Valley, Idaho, where she specializes in shoving ideas out the door. In her off hours, such as the long evenings in the summer way up there, she works doing her best to knit together the widely scattered Adventist Forum chapters. We'd like to
4: thank everyone who are joining today in person and online. Uh, on behalf of the Minantonka Seventh day Adventist Church, we consider it as an honor that we can provide a, a place where we can allow this dialogue to take place. So, as I welcome all of you, I'd like to invite you to pray with me as we open this live streaming. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we are thankful for this Sabbath day. And we're even more thankful that today we're able to have this important dialogue about the life um, of Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, or we've been blessed by his ministry. And today, as uh, Martin Dubelmayer, uh, a filmmaker, a friend of 70 Adventists, would tell the story of this noble life that was once lived, we ask that you will be with our panelists, especially our facilitator, Dr. Gary. May you give divine wisdom and sage as we lead this conversation. or May this program be a blessing to those who are watching. And may this conversation start a wonderful movement of our forward thinking and forward movement towards your kingdom, Lord. This is our prayer. In Jesus' holy name we pray,
3: amen. I met Martin Doblemeyer in a high school baseball dugout. Truth be told, it was a virtual meeting about 20 years ago, when he and I were trading stories about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Passionate storyteller that he is, he drew me into the dugout where he was reading letters and papers from prison. That's right, he was sitting with his teammates in a baseball dugout reading the Christian classic Letters and papers from prison. Why, you may ask, were Martin and I sitting in a hotel lobby, actually, 20 years ago, talking about Dietrich Bonhoeffer? I opened the conversation with John Matthews sent me. Martin erupted in laughter, saying, I think John Matthews is the funniest guy I've ever met. We bonded. Pastor John Matthews would go on to become president of the International Bonhoeffer Society, and that hotel meeting kicked off a partnership with Spectrum and produced a plan to create a fundraising event with Spectrum at the Minnesota History Center, headlined by former Minnesota governor, Al Quie. And then, thanks to my wife, Lee, and many others, Next stop, Loma Linda University Church, where Martin wrapped up his fundraising for the film Bonhoeffer, and incidentally, or providentially, he began shaping his fascination with the Adventist story.
5: Um, Well, first of all, let me say thank you, uh, Gary Blau, and uh, your wife, Lee, who have been friends to myself and to to Journey Films now for nearly 20 years, Gary. We go back almost 20 years now. So thank you for doing that. And I'm thrilled that um, Spectrum was able to be able to put this, this event together. So a big thanks to, to Bonnie Dwyer for all the good work that you continue to do for so many years uh, leading Spectrum. To my good friend, Rick Rice, uh, who I've known now for many years and the good work that you do, That one of the top theolo- uh, theologians in the Adventist Church to Alex. And to two, my two new friends who I have yet to meet, but only virtually, Pastor Moon, and Pastor Segui out there in Minnesota. So I'm looking forward to when COVID ends to be able able to get out there and meet you all in person. And thank you for having this. Um, This is is the last documentary film in this series of films that I've been doing now that are biographical films on the great Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel. Um, It's somebody that I've been interested in now for a long, long time. Uh, This film will now start airing nationwide on public television this month for Jewish American Heritage Month. Uh, And we're really excited that it's one of the premier films coming out on PBS for 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 Jewish American Heritage Month. Um, But uh, for me, Heschel is clearly not only one of the most remarkable religious figures of the 20th century, he's one of the more important American figures of the 20th century. Uh, And we have a clip now. I think it's all queued up if all the technology goes properly. We have a clip of the first two and a half minutes of the film, which is essentially the trailer for the film, Spiritual Audacity the Abraham Joshua
1: Heschel story.
5: On the front lines of the historic Civil Rights March in Selma, Alabama, standing along with Martin Luther King Jr. is one of the most remarkable religious figures of the 20th century, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel. I think they became friends but more
0: than friends, they became brothers. He was the authority on the prophets, but on this occasion, he was the prophet.
5: (laughs) Abraham Heschel is plucked from the fire of the Holocaust that will take the life of his mother and sisters. And in 1940, he arrives in America. And he's already come out of this magnificent dynasty of rabbis that go
0: back for centuries. He's part of a dynastic royalty. He lived in excruciating ways with the reality that as the world and the family he grew up in was destroyed in Europe, most of the world was in fact indifferent.
1: Remember in a free society some are guilty but all are responsible. Over the next three
5: decades Peschel fights indifference through his vision of a God who seeks to partner with humanity. To be in real connection to God was to be in awe and
6: radical amazement at the universe that God had created.
5: And his love for the prophets of the Hebrew Bible who dare speak truth to power.
2: And Heschel taught that
3: each of us has a choice to make. What side of history do we ultimately want to land on?
7: He was kind of a theological Hemingway. He wrote in short, pithy aphorisms
5: of enormous power. Heschel plays a pivotal role in reshaping
1: the contentious relationship between Catholics and Jews. But I also have to remind them that my being Jewish is so sacred to me that I am ready to die for it. And he risks being in the forefront of the
5: protests against what he believes is an immoral war in Vietnam.
2: My father was attacked for so many of the public positions that he took. My father wouldn't be quiet. No one could silence him. I am an optimist
1: against my better judgment somehow I believe in God and somehow I believe and am convinced that he will have mercy and pity more than we deserve
0: Thank you Martin uh, just the again was really beautiful I would like to um Welcome all of our attendees, uh, along with Gary Blount and Pastor Moon, and thank each of you for joining this conversation. Um, uh, Speaking of conversing, an upside of uh, having a virtual event like this is that you can participate. Feel free to um, share your reflections on reading um, Abraham Joshua Heschel for the first time. And of course, if you have questions, I already see one in there queued up Uh, use the Q and A button at the bottom of your screen, and that'll help us keep the questions organized and insert them into our conversation. I'm uh, functioning here as a uh, moderator, and I just want to introduce our esteemed panel. Dr. Richard Rice is a newly titled Emeritus Professor in the School of Religion at Loma Linda University. Congratulations, uh, where he's taught for over two decades, a leading thinker in Seventh Day Adventist in the Seventh Day Adventist tradition, he influenced many, including many, I think, on this in this um, Zoom call, with his clear writing about the openness of God and other theological ideas. Thank you for joining us today. Bonnie Dwyer is the editor of Spectrum, the journal of the Adventist Forum, of which she is also the executive director. An accomplished journalist. Through her life. Bonnie embodies the spiritual virtues of hospitality and aesthetics. Thank you for joining us, Bonnie.
2: An honor to be here. Thank you.
0: And you've already met Gary, a champion of big ideas and a good friend to the spectrum reading community. Gary Blount uh, is a psychiatrist turned producer who, through his longtime connection to Martin Noblemeyer and the Adventist Forum, is really responsible Along with his wonderful wife Lee, for initiating this event, thank you, Gary and Lee. And Gary's already introduced our special guest, Martin Um, uh, Martin, I'd just like to extend my welcome and congratulations on this new film, a continuation of your oeuvre of beautiful and profound explorations of humanity's search for the divine. And I've got a question for you right off the bat here. You've uh, studied through your lens. Uh, Dorothy Day, very famously Dietrich Bonhoeffer, what made you want to explore the life and legacy of Abraham Joshua Heschel?
5: Well, thanks, Alex. Uh, Well, uh, this last film uh, on Abraham Heschel is part of a series of four films that I'm releasing that we're calling Prophetic Voices. Uh, In my mind, these are four characters who actually, actually, I think, helped shape the religious culture of America in the ninth in the 20th century, so it included the great American theologian Reinhold Niebuhr, the public theologian Reinhold Niebuhr, uh, the African American theologian uh, Howard Thurman, the Catholic activist Dorothy Day, and now fourth is Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel. They're they're all different in their own ways. They are different faith traditions and everything. But what I think they had in common, uh, and especially Abraham Heschel, is a a deep, a deep and solid foundation in their faith tradition. They understood their own faith tradition at the deepest possible level. Uh, and yet from that from that understanding and appreciation of their own faith tradition, that is what compelled them to go forward and to work in tikkun olum, as they would say, the transformation of the world, the healing of the world, to leaving the world a better place than when they found it. They were not radicals. Hesha was not a radical in the, in the sense that he was out on the front line for no reason at all. For Abraham Joshua Heschel, being on the front lines in Selma was a, a spiritual act. It was a, it was a form of prayer to actually be walking. He would say, I, I felt my legs were praying because in for him, spiritual action was actually a form of prayer, a, a religious, a spiritual moment. And so that's what I think uh, draw, draws me to these characters because I'm on my own, if you would call it, spiritual journey, I'm trying to understand at, at my deepest level, who God is, what God is asking me to do, and how I should respond to that. And so and I guess on a selfish level, I, I I hunger to study people like this. And I get the privilege then of, of studying them and then communicating that, translating that and communicating that to a wider television audience. Now, the big difference to me in the last many years is that when I began this work about 35 years ago, 40 years ago now, um, religion was an understood a corner of the Ameri- of the wider picture of America. It was just assumed that there should be programming on religious topics. It was assumed that certain times should be carved out in the, in the course of a week for religious moments and religious activities. Uh, and certainly um, I think religious characters had a different position in the wider culture in America than they do today. And today, what I think the big difference is, is that when I produce a film on for television, for national television, where it's going to reach a secular audience, I have to be mindful that more and more people out there are have been turned off by religion in some way, shape, or form. They're very, they're very concerned about somebody marketing religion to them. Uh, it's a totally different perspective than it was 20, 30, 40 years ago uh, when I was first doing this. And so I have to enter into telling these stories uh, in a in a way that we touch on universal human hu- human elements, the universal elements first, and then begin to unpack. Um, where where these people are centered and, and where their foundation is in terms of their spiritual and religious life. So it's a rather different presentation than it might have been maybe 30 years ago, but I think it's 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 you know a good story is still a good story and I, I think Heschel is a remarkably dramatic and and fundamentally a good human story and I hope people will be able to discover the whole film when they they turn on public television this
0: month. Absolutely, and we'll share some information on how folks can uh, know when the screenings are going to happen. I've got one more question for you before we screen the next clip on the Sabbath, and then we'll, uh, after that, open it up to the whole panel. I think you said some really interesting things about your prophetic series. Adventists uh, fancy ourselves uh, perhaps experts on the topic, and I'm looking forward to hearing what our panel has to say about maybe learning about the prophetic tradition outside of of Ellen White. Um, you talked about um, storytelling, and you're obviously very interested in spirituality. You mind just talking a little bit about the kind of artistic connection for you as somebody who's creative? How do you um, connect story and spirituality?
5: Well, I think it's—I uh, think for me, it's really instinctive. I mean, I went to—I went to my undergraduate degree is in religious studies. My master's degree was in broadcast journalism, and I've always been thinking about. Um, i'm on this spiritual journey i'm trying to understand what god is calling me to do what, where how i can discover god um in in other people and uh so my my work has always been the same over these last 35 or 40 years always looking to understand how god is alive well and working in our world and particularly how that's happening through the, the people that i encounter every single day so i i you know i've never really taken a, another turn all the films that we've done now over these years have all had some kind of spiritual religious basis to them and it's i've never had a shortage of ideas (laughs) frankly it's always this the challenge of being able to get the the film actually made and funded and put out there but uh, there's plenty of content available to do that and for me uh i i feel as though i learned something deep down inside at, at 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 a more profound level with every film that i do and for for me uh, if you if you watch this film on Heschel, you'll see that he talks about God as the ineffable, that which is so difficult, impossible to really explain. Uh, but for me, I, I feel that in some small way, after having studied and spent some time in Heschel's world, God is just a little bit easier to explain. Uh, after having listened to Heschel for these last you know couple of years, reading his writings and listening to him speak and every and sort of getting into the Heschel moment. Um, I I think it's a little easier and clearer for me to understand that what what God is calling me to do. So Mm -hmm. I feel as though I've taken some leaps forward in my own spiritual growth and development, just for having the
0: the privilege of being able to make the film. Well, great. Thank you again for making it. And now we'll watch the uh, selection on the Sabbath.
5: But it's Heschel's book on the Sabbath that reaches well beyond the Jewish audience. He takes a core commandment of ancient Judaism, And through his prose and sense of mysticism offers
6: the sabbath as an
5: antidote for the modern world
6: the sabbath shabbat in in hebrew is the central aspect of jewish practice of jewish halakha jewish law it's to create a cathedral in time a day of rest it's a time in which you reconnect to creation it's a time in which you reconnect to god and the torah The Gregorian calendar does not respect Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath, as the day of rest. And in order to become part of a greater society, Jews in many ways were being forced to give up this very important part of religious life so that they could become part of a greater society.
5: The meaning of Sabbath, he writes, is to celebrate time rather than space. Six days a week, we live under the tyranny of things of space. On the Sabbath, we try to become attuned to holiness
2: in time. And my mother and I would light the candles, kindle the lights, and say the blessings. And my father would bless me. And then we would go into the living room. The living room had windows facing the Hudson River And we would sit there and watch as the sun gradually would set over the Hudson River. And the view was beautiful and it was peaceful. And I will tell you that from the time I was a child, when I lit those candles, I felt transformed.
3: His articulation helped us see that Sabbath is intensely Jewish but then it's not Jewish at all, it's human.
0: Well, if that doesn't warm your Adventist soul, um, we've failed. Um, I'd like to uh, ask you a question, Dr. Rice, about that concept of a cathedral in time. I feel like um, I've heard more than one Adventist Um, Theologian referenced that in helping to expand our idea beyond the architecture of the sanctuary to something temporal. Um, How have you uh, gained a deeper understanding about the Sabbath from your reading of Heschel?
7: Well, it's hard not to remember the first time I saw Dr. Heschel. It was uh, Rabbi Heschel had visited California and lectured to Adventist audiences, as well as uh, I think I saw him on a university campus too. But um, perhaps an incident to start, uh, Jerry Davis, the pastor of the Claremont Adventist Church, had invited Dr. Heschel to come to California, visit his congregation. And as they were connecting about uh, when they would meet at the airport, uh, Pastor Davis asked him, uh, Rabbi Heschel, how will I recognize you? And the rabbi laughed and said, Jerry, you won't have any problem knowing who I am. And so you've already seen pictures of Heschel, and you can see he was a striking figure. I think a, a good-looking person, but a person whose identity was uh, pretty well uh, underscored by his white hair, white beard, and dark suits. And so I've never forgotten the visual as well as the auditory impression. I believe that a great deal of contemporary Adventist thinking about the Sabbath is related to the appreciation for the kind of reflection that uh, Rabbi Heschel has provided. I would summarize it in a couple of ways. I would say uh, when it comes to Heschel, um, Heschel helped Adventists in their approach to the Sabbath in two ways. One was to redirect our focus on the doctrine of the Sabbath to a theology of the Sabbath, to looking at the larger implications of Sabbath for the whole range of what Christians believe and how they live. And uh, I wrote a book for classes I was teaching on Adventist doctrines and trained as a theologian. I followed the traditional outline of God, humanity, church, salvation, last things. And then, well, where does the Sabbath fit in? And we could put it in on commandments and so on. But I actually concluded the whole book with a chapter on the Sabbath because I felt that you could summarize the essence of each of those doctrines with reference to what the Sabbath tells us about all of them. The other shift was from an emphasis on Sabbath Sabbath observance, avoid work, be careful when the Sabbath begins and when it ends and so on. The shift from that to the Sabbath experience. And then the question is not what can I do to, what must I do to avoid breaking the commandment, but more or rather a, a focus on what can I do to fully experience the opportunity for connection with God and with others and with the world that God has created on this special day. And I think that's had a real impact on Seventh-day Adventist approach to the Sabbath, and also to the appreciation for a weekly day of rest on the part of other Christians uh, in the Christian community.
0: Thanks, I'd unmute myself there. Bonnie, you have um, written a lot about um, how Adventists experience uh, time and also beauty and um, Rabbi Heschel was not only a theologian, a philosopher, but also a mystic. Uh, what have you learned from his life and tradition?
2: Well, the, the cathedral and time and the experience of Sabbath, I cherish a lot. And I point, I look at Heschel as giving us that gift, making it possible for us to understand it in a broader way. And so I'm very appreciative of that. I'm curious because that's where um, my awareness of Heschel centers is around the book on the Sabbath. And so while I had known some things about him, uh, this documentary that Martin has put together really helped me broaden my understanding of his impact on, uh, American culture. But I was really curious, Martin, there are so many points that one could start uh, to examine Heschel. I mean, if I were starting, I would start at Sabbath. Uh, He's a Holocaust survivor. You could start the story there. And yet you start your story with civil rights. And I'm curious about that um, decision was that based on your evaluation of Heschel's life on this particular moment when social justice is such an important topic? How how did you decide where to begin the Heschel story?
5: Well, that's a, that's a great question. I, I think some of it I have to say is um, uh, uh, it, it may sound trite, but some of it is just instinct in storytelling. Um, I just got the sense that uh, I'm always mindful that um, my the audience is supposed to be a broader audience as public television is always quick to remind me the broad television audience. And I thought, you know, where is the place in his arc of storyline that we're actually going to have essentially drama and wider public interest right from the outset? And I I put him on the streets in Selma, Alabama. I thought that was the place to really start. In some ways because uh, the validation of friendship between Martin Luther King Jr. and Heschel automatically set him at a, at a stage that where people who may not have known much about him but all of a sudden look at him differently. And then I also thought that if I introduced it through the civil rights story, look at how different the people are who are, who are the champions for Heschel's legacy. So it wasn't uh, Jewish people who were saying this is one of our, this is one of us, and we're 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 thrilled to be able to tell the story about Abraham Joshua Heschel. This was actually African Americans, um, Christians, who were saying no. Heschel was really vital to the civil rights movement, and of course, uh, uh, the the race issue in America is is the original sin of America, and that's not going to go away. And so anything that we can do. Uh, In terms of being communicators and communicators out of faith to help contribute to unpacking a little bit of the understandings that we need about facing that, I think is a really, that's that's a contribution, it's a wider contribution. So I, I weighed carefully all those things and decided maybe the best way to do it, let's start with civil rights. It has natural drama, but it's a very different kind of validation for who Abraham Joshua Heschel is.
0: Great question, Bonnie. Um, question for you, Gary, and then we'll queue up our next clip. We've got two more clips to go. One will be on social justice and religion and race. And then the next, the final clip will be on interfaith work. Gary, you're a man of the mind. Larry Downey has a question in from the audience saying, if you could ask Rabbi Heschel any question, what would it be? If you could hang out with uh, Heschel, uh, what, would, what would interest you about him?
3: Hear what his reception was, or at least his perception was, when he met the Adventists in California, spoke to them. I'm not sure if it was at a church service or whatever. Um, and I don't know how well he got to know us. He hadn't seen Martin's three films about us yet. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if he expected somebody to pick up in the Christian community what a nice compliment. Uh, Uh, what they believe worship should look like on their chosen day of rest with his teachings. And I, I don't know what Martin thinks about his perception of Adventist beliefs and practices, especially when he measures them against Heschel's teachings and his own practices.
5: Well, um, if that's a question for me, Gary, thank, I, I listen, I have to say, and we go back now, um, I, I began the process of making the first film, The Adventists, back in 2009. And um, right from the start, I kept saying, you, you know, the one thing that is so characteristic and so reverential in terms of Adventists is their understanding, appreciation, and reverence for the Sabbath. It was so genuine to me uh, and so transformative to me. Uh, that it was almost in some ways a gift to me. I'm making the film about Adventists, but I felt as though this was a gift that was coming back to me. And I was really grateful for it. So I think if if Heschel um, had, had the opportunity to spend more time, he would not be anything but uh, grateful for how you've, had, the, as a community of people, have interpreted his book and included it in your thinking that he would see, I think, as one more way to honor and worship the
0: God that we love. Now we'll watch the clip on justice.
5: Form of prayer. He would later say, I felt my legs were praying.
3: And he said, if Isaiah, if Ezekiel, if Jeremiah were here, they would be shaking the finger at the community. It's always remembering the prophets chastised the people, but they loved the people of Israel. Well, Heschel, the king, and obviously they loved America, but they felt America was not living up to its potential greatness.
6: Prophets are the ones that take people out of their sense of comfort and complicity. The prophets are ones that see an injustice in one place and see that as an injustice everywhere.
1: Man is not man because of what he has in common with the earth, but because of what he has in common with God. The Greeks sought to understand man as a part of the universe. The prophets sought to understand man as a partner of God.
5: Heschel understands that he and other Jewish leaders are being called to create community with other Christians, despite the fact that a generation earlier, too many Christians were indifferent during the Holocaust.
3: We cannot exist separate and apart from the rest of humanity. And this was a particularly potent and powerful call, especially in light of the, the Holocaust and the sense of abandonment that so many Jews felt when it seemed like the rest of the world, you know, didn't lift a finger to, to help and support
6: our community.
0: You know, there's a special part of um, Adventist history and certainly the Adventist Forum's history. Uh, one of our co-founders and uh, former editors of the Spectrum Journal, Roy Branson, actually marched in the same march there, the third march from uh, Selma to Montgomery, and uh, saw, uh, I heard him tell an anecdote about uh, seeing um, both Martin Luther King and Abraham Heschel uh, there, which was inspiring. Um, Dr. Rice, I've got a question for you that comes out of uh, the New York Times obituary. Uh, kind of talking about um, the way that um, Rabbi Heschel uh, not only was in the classroom, but also in the streets. And it grounds it in um, uh, this idea of his depth theology, which is a perception of God's concern with human affairs. And here I am quoting from the New York Times, it might sound like I'm quoting from the openness of God here, his willingness to become is intimately involved in the history of man, uh, talking about Rabbi Heschel, where Aristotle saw God as the unmoved mover, Heschel sees him as the most moved mover. Can you reflect on that idea and tell us what this open view from a Jewish man uh, could teach us about our own understanding of the divine?
7: Well, I could. Um, I I could take the rest of the time, but I obviously won't do that. I reread the chapters in uh, The Prophets that uh, had moved me years ago. And uh, I think I read it as outside reading when I was in college. But I've had the book for a long time, and I read the central chapters where Rabbi Heschel talks about the pathos of God and how deeply involved God is in human affairs and how much he cares about what's going on. And it gave me, a, what should I say, uh, an inspirational view of God's relation to human beings, that God's expectations and hopes are so high that God intensely feels what we are experiencing. And that would be both delight and excitement when things go well, when human beings do things that bring him joy and satisfaction and intense disappointment when things are going the other way. And so I get the feeling that that portrayal of God that highlights the prophet's notion of God's sensitivity and God's care for what's going on in the world. For me, that goes hand in glove with the view that uh, God is affected by what happens in the world, that God experiences what goes on in the world uh, as it happens, and that would be to try to encapsulate the open view of God in just a couple of sentences. That would uh, be very much in
0: harmony with it. Thank you. This is a question to the whole panel, and then we'll move on. I want to direct it first to Martin, then whoever else feels moved. Uh, Since you've been focusing on the prophetic tradition, um, can you talk a little bit about what you've learned about the meaning of the word and the way that it connects in a variety of different faith traditions and what it calls people to do in terms of social justice?
5: Well, I think the there are um, there's the one word that comes up again and again in the course of making the film, and I, I try to figure out how I rhythmically could place it in different parts of the film so it's never far from people's minds, uh, is the word indifference. About, uh, I think if there's one central theme in the Abraham Joshua Heschel story, it's it's his commitment to fight indifference. He said, "The opposite of not of good is not evil. The opposite of good is indifference, and that for him, I think was was just played out constantly in his life. And what was what he saw happening in Europe in the nineteen thirties, the indifference of people, especially Christians, in the nineteen thirties, to actually stand up and say that this is wrong and this has to stop. And then he comes to the United States and con- continues to see that. So for me, the prophetic voice becomes the voice that is not." able to sit back and say, I'm going to be indifferent. I'm going to take a pass on this particular, this subject matter. The the prophetic voice is the one that's willing to take a chance and say something. And then parallel with the notion of uh, combating indifference is the realization that uh, in the struggle, it's going to cost you something. Uh, I also try to sprinkle that into the film as we, we go along, because when Heschel goes to Selma, and stands on the front of the line. And we look at it now from a, a point of you know 50 years later and say, Oh, how, ro- how heroic to do that. He was on the right side of history. Well, in fact, there were many people who thought at that moment he was on the wrong side. He was doing something he shouldn't be doing. When he was in when he was standing up for Vietnam in, in Vietnam against the Vietnam War, there were many people who said, This is absolutely wrong for you to be doing. You're going to jeopardize, we say in the film, you're going to jeopardize the funding. From the United States to the new young state of Israel, don't be out there doing this. Keep your mouth shut and stay home. Uh, he he was under a lot of uh, pressure academically. He wasn't that particularly well received at his at his school, J, uh, J, uh, Jewish Theological School, and that must have been very hard for him. And all, anybody who's involved in an academic universe to know when your your compatriots feel as though you don't get it, you're on the outside of their of of them. Uh, that's very painful. And yet at the same time, whether or not it was the public shaming that he was getting or the professional shaming that he felt, he was willing to take the chance and do what he felt is right because this was a moral decision. He felt as though he had to make a choice. Was he going to be indifferent or not? And that's what the prophetic voice led him to do, to make that decision and to stand by it and pay the
0: cost. Thanks for that focus on indifference. Anyone else have any reflections on the connection between Abraham Joshua Heschel, the prophetic tradition, Adventism, and uh, social justice?
2: I was impressed in the film with the um, Andrew Young and the pe- and um, the congressman um, who were saying that they saw him as prophetic. Uh Prophets come usually from your own community. And so for the black community to see Abraham as prophetic, I think, uh, is uh, just uh, furthers what Martin is saying in terms of uh, affirming what he did. He wasn't getting affirmation maybe at the Jewish seminary, but the people that he was working with saw him as prophetic. And, I, you know, he was prophetic to Adventists. And um, who would think that we would look outside of our community for inspiration on our core belief? And yet that's what he provided. And uh, that's an incredible prophetic voice that speaks outside of the community just by living what he believes about God and saying what he believes about God. He's an amazing figure in my mind.
5: I think what I was going to add to one of the things that I think on a human level is remarkable about him. Uh, is that if you read his works, and there's a huge body of work by Abraham Joshua Heschel, he writes many of them in his fourth language. He comes to the United States, he can barely re- speak English, but he actually not only becomes proficient, he be- he masters English. And if you read his work, it's just really extraordinary work. And there's so there's really no anger or vengeance. And this is a man who lost his mother and three sisters in the Holocaust. If anybody would have a right, whatever that means, to be angry and vindictive about his the way his life is gone, that could have been Abraham Joshua Heschel, and it's it's not him at all. Everything is hope filled. Everything is positive. Everything is looking for the way that God is continuing to speak. And I was thinking in preparation for this uh, because there is such a connection between uh, Heschel and the book, the Sabbath, and Seventh Day Adventist. Uh, and and Rick was talking about the idea of, of moving moving the notion of from obligation to the experience of of uh, of Sabbath. That's one of the things that uh, has sort of evolved over these years. Uh, Heschel talks about the idea that on the Sabbath, uh, the family would never talk about things that would become argumentative. So that on the Sabbath, it was not just a rest and stopping, but it was also an emotional rest in the sense that you weren't going to talk in the house about things that upset you, whether it was work or the Holocaust or the Vietnam War. Um, You would not talk about things that other people had done and therefore needed repentance or forgiveness none of that today was the day for us community to sort of praise God and be grateful to God and that was another layer of the emotional rest that they were they were they were he was aspiring for and that again is coming from a man who would have had every right to be angry and every right to be so looking for you know sort of a balance of justice uh and but that's not what you see in Abraham Heschel it's a, it's really coming out of a sense that We're in this world and we have to love our way out of this world despite the fact that you've been mistreated and you've gotten, in some cases, the short end of it.
0: Well, in the next clip we're gonna watch, we're gonna see how um, he really uh, defied some voices within his own community in his interfaith work, specifically uh, reaching out to uh, the Catholic Church.
5: In the fall of 1965, after four years of intense debate, the final document is passed by a wide margin. It's called Nostra Aetate, Latin for In
3: Our Time. It called for mutual respect and understanding between the Roman Catholic Church and the Jewish people. It denounced anti-Semitism in all its forms. It called for a fraternal dialogue between Jews and Catholics and repudiated the concept of Jews as the killers of
7: Jesus of Nazareth.
5: And there is no call for the conversion of the
4: Jews.
7: That was a tremendous moment in religious history. Heschel played a clandestine role because there were a lot of Jews that didn't want to have anything to do with what the Christians were doing, and a lot of Jews thought that it was dangerous. Now lauded
5: for his pioneering interfaith work, that fall, Heschel is invited to be a visiting professor at the Protestant-founded Union Theological Seminary across the street from his own JTS.
6: He became the first
3: non-Christian to be invited to join the faculty. They had to change the bylaws a bit for that. And he gave this wonderful lecture, opening lecture on November 10, 1965, called No Religion is an Island.
1: On what basis do we people of different religious commitments meet one another? First and foremost, we meet as human beings. To meet a human being is an opportunity to sense the image of God, the presence of God. The Lord said to Moses, Wherever you see the trace of man, there I stand before you. He came
0: to think that religious diversity was God's will that God wanted to be worshiped in a variety of ways, in a range of ways, in different
5: languages, in different religious you know, images. That Heschel understood when Amos talked about let justice roll down like waters, that was not just for Israel, that was for nations all around the world. It emerged out of Israel, but it had a universal vision.
0: Hmm. So profound, incredible that he, a, a Jewish man, could change uh, almost 2,000 years of Catholic, be a contributor to changing almost 2,000 years of Catholic doctrine, something um, even popes have struggled with. Um, uh, Gary, I've got a question for you on this idea of interfaith and also this profound concept that no religion is an island. Would you mind just sharing um, the ways that that is uh, inspiring to you?
3: Cooperating with whether it's denominations or other people who are organized to relieve suffering or to appreciate God in various ways. I, I really uh, think we're a little bit behind the time on opening up and welcoming uh, other ideas. And I think likewise that uh, other people are a little behind the times as well in uh, listening to our agenda. Um so I I welcome it. I, I'm not afraid of the word ecumenism. Um, I don't know how uh, provocative a word that is in 2021 in the Adventist church. Uh, I like dialogue, of course, but it, it comes down to how far are we gonna take that? I must say that I'm uncomfortable with the struggle over uh, converting Jews and uh, as hard as the Catholics tried. And certainly we can uh, applaud them for their efforts. I'm I'm not sure that where they ended up was where I like uh, to be. Uh, on the other hand, we've got to be very careful about our tone and our conversation and our welcome to people of all kinds.
0: Yeah. We've got a question here from someone, I think, um, Dr. Rice. Uh, it goes back to that interaction between Rabbi Heschel and the Adventists. Um, Can you just speak sort of broadly, whether or very specifically to that anecdote? Do you remember what Adventists felt in his presence, what the conversation was like afterward, or just generally the ways that you've seen your colleagues um, influenced um, by his ideas, maybe particularly about um, ways that people of different faith, can find common ground and actually advance their own, the strength of their own identity.
6: Well,
7: thank you. That's, that's an excellent question. The, um, the distance between now and when I had the experience was quite great. So I can't pinpoint just what the chronology was, but I remember hearing him speak with great appreciation. And I know that it coincided with the growing interest of Sabbath experience and its larger significance, uh, understanding theologically, doctrine, however you want to put it. It really has made a contribution to Adventist thought. And if you look at the Christian world in general, there's been more and more interest in an entire day of spiritual renewal and so on. So it has had an influence there, and as I tried to indicate, it's had an influence on Adventist theology. My first teacher of theology in college, Fritz Guy, has had a long-term interest in Sabbath. That's been one of his principal theological concerns. And so I think realizing that it, it has ramifications throughout the theological system is in some ways attributable to the beauty and the the uh, effectiveness of uh, Professor Heschel's communication of what Sabbath is about. Uh, When it comes to, uh, that is the one thing I think that's most distinctive about the Adventist church within the Christian community of churches. But I think the connection between uh, Adventism and other groups can find a nice model in Heschel's view of how uh, Judaism can connect With Christianity, and that is that particularity does not necessarily mean exclusivity. To be faithful to your own convictions and to see the value that they may have for others does not necessarily mean that you are the only ones that have that. Uh, There are ways in which Adventists have connected with others, we're well known for our health institutions. Um, There was a time, and I know it's quite ancient history now, but Adventists collaborated very closely with promoters of prohibition, which was a uniting religious issue back in the turn of the century, 19th to 20th century. And uh, it it had, looking back on it, most people feel it was a big mistake, but there was a time when it was felt that that was something that really could benefit the uh, community as a whole in the United States, and that was a step to take. And that's a a facet of interreligious cooperation that may provide a model for us in addressing some of the issues that confront Christians and all people today.
0: Thank you. Well, um, it's almost time for this rich conversation to end. Um, I want to thank each of the panelists and our audience uh, for their help and also the pastoral staff of the Minnetonka Seventh-day Adventist Church. Um I want to turn our attention over to our filmmaker and uh, Martin would you just tell us uh when and where folks can uh watch this incredible documentary?
5: Uh well it starts airing nationwide on PBS stations uh May 5th. Uh and again it's launching in May for Jewish American Heritage Month. Uh and um and so what that means is that um public television is its own beast. Uh, And so the schedules for broadcast will be, um, you know, the famous line is check your local listings. uh, And you'll be seeing notices about that. Uh, But most importantly is after May 5th, you should be able to go to your local public television station, put in spiritual audacity, and stream it right there. So it's available on all public television stations as of May 5th. Uh, And we have also too, I think it's helpful. I know a lot of people who'd be watching today or people who are involved in congregations, religious education and teaching, uh, we built on our website, journeyfilms.com, J-O-U-R-N-E-Y-F-I-L-M-S.com, an educational portal. So if you go to the website, you can see the trailer, you can buy the film, that would that would help us, and we're grateful for that. But you can also get free educational material, and we have a lot of it there. So you can study and formulate uh, gatherings around the film and different chapters in the film and themes in the film, all that's there and available to you. Uh, for free. That's all free of charge on our website. So it starts on May 5th on public, public television and Journey Films is where you go to get the educational material.
0: Great. Thank you so much. Well, um, we'll have uh, that information on a slide coming up for folks who want to learn more. And uh, now it's uh, we turn it over to uh, Pastor Moon for our closing prayer.
4: Appreciating everything that was said for me. One thing that stood out, Gary, Dr. Gary, is that um, something is asked of us by uh, Rabbi Hashel and also his comment that some are guilty, but all are responsible and no religion is an island. I would like to invite you to pray with me. Loving Heavenly Father, Lord, today we've been reminded that um, um, we are to engage in serving our community. And we thank you for the work that Rabbi Hashel did. And thank you for the stories told today by, uh, Doble Meyer. Uh, thank you for the work that he did. And Lord, as we are being reminded of the legacy that he left, help us to be reminded that we are to do our part. And when we're doing our part of caring for those who are less fortunate than we are, that we are simply joining uh, the movement that you have created. You ask us uh, and you commanded us that we are to feed those who are hungry, to clothe those who are naked, to visit those who are disenfranchised, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you for the session that we had and bless us, O oh God, as we move forward in caring for you, uh, for your cause, and for the well-being of humanity. Uh, This is our prayer in Jesus' holy name. I would like to read a Bible verses, uh, number 624 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you.